now. They gave us no countdown. <laughs> no intro. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I was just thinking I was really glad to have you. We haven't, you haven't been here in a while. I, know, I was just so. sitting here thinking, when was the last time I was here? But I think it was Christmas. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So welcome back. We Thanks. love you. Thanks. Love you. Love you. Hey, like, share, subscribe, share the broadcast, uh, hit the little bell button, get notifications. Today we're talking about what's the word, and uh, we're talking about uh, failing, uh, kind of like failing forward or a uh, chronic failure versus noble failure. And let me just jump right in right now because when you're believing by faith, and, and we're like this, we are not believing to fail. That's right. Uh, if you're operating by faith, you're not believing to fail. You're believing to be in triumph. You're believing to be in victory all the time. And we are not believing for failing at all. Uh, however, what we found is that do you know anybody who hasn't failed besides Jesus? Nope. Nope. Not a one. <laughs> Me either. I've never met that person. And there's a concept, actually, that I understand very much, and I've watched it play out because I would say that, you know, at times I tried to live, like, you know, legalistic as a perfectionist. Yeah. And when I would fail, it felt like it would just destroy me, me. And yeah. I would lose all the momentum and all of that. And I knew that there had to be a better way. And so we took a look at that. When we started getting training on uh, the leadership, one of the things that they said is, we celebrate noble failure, not chronic failure. And uh, chronic failure would mean uh, that you have a habit of failure, mm -hmm. right? That's never celebrated. However, when somebody is not seeking to fail at all, but they find themselves failing, uh, and they find themselves, hey, I miss, I miss that. I, I, you know, I, I misunderstood. I miscommunicated. I dropped the ball. Whatever it is, uh, when you find yourself in that position, but you were seeking to do the best and you just missed it because of a lack of, you know, education, a lack, you just missed it. You know, maybe you're. Uh, for a number of reasons, your spiritual fruit isn't where it should have been. Uh, but one of the things that you see is that God had every hero in the Bible that we read about besides yeah. Jesus failed at some point, And most of them failed miserably. Uh, they were, I mean, they failed miserably. Yeah. Uh, you look at, I mean, just starting at the beginning, you have Adam and Eve. And, um, you know, you see that, you see that Adam and Eve, they, they literally caused the fall of mankind, which we would have done the same thing, but they caused the fall of mankind. Yeah. Uh, then you go on into Noah and Noah, uh, did well, but when he gets off the boat, he has a major failure. Mm -hmm. Um, you see Abraham had a major failure. David, King David had a major failure. Peter, Peter the apostle. Paul. Yeah. All of them had failures in their life. And, uh, but there's a big key when we start to understand how to address failure. And this is why we're talking about this today, uh, is in a team, and I, and I did this wrong. I did this completely wrong when we started out as pastoring a church, was, you know, 
I basically wanted to say by faith we're never failing, you know. And by faith, I do believe that. God's always leading us to triumph. We're going to hear from him, be led by him, and we're not uh, believing for failure. We are believing for victory and triumph. But there's something when you take that uh, type of belief and you turn it to the place where people are scared of failing. Yeah. In other words, you actually push that into a place that drives fear. And I'm reminded of the verse that says, fathers, uh, don't provoke your children to wrath. Right. Right. And so there's things that you can do. In other words, a father can be right that he needs to correct his children, but he can press them to the place in his you know, he's right in principle, but wrong in application. And yeah. that's what I did as a pastor. I pressed to the place where people were so pent up about, I can't fail, watch this, that they stopped trying, that they stopped trying. And you can create an atmosphere where nobody tries anything. Nobody steps out. Um, nobody, nobody does anything and all because they're so scared of failing. And watch, and I created that environment. I'm the one who has to oversee a creation of an environment where people will sit there and say, let's try this. Let me think outside the box. And I know this idea sounds crazy, but you have to create an environment where it's okay for people to fail. Um, it, it's not okay to be believing for failure. There's a big difference. Yeah. But if, and, and hear this wording, if they find themselves having failed, you don't rake them over the coals in that failure. You don't rake them over the coals in that. Yeah. And um, that's one of the, thank you, Scott. Um, that's one of the things that we see on a regular basis is that many leaders will just, I mean, destroy their leadership and the people that they're leading yeah. because of that. And we need, so what uh, we heard in the leadership training and, and is a great principle once you understand the concept. And once you see that you're not believing for failure, that's, that's not what you're doing. You're making an environment where, where people will step out in faith. You know, look at, um, look at the environment. So what we're saying is you celebrate noble failure. So many people, from the wrong heart mm -hmm. would completely destroy Peter and talk about his failure sinking into the water. Yeah. Right? Instead of celebrating, he stepped out of the boat. Who else stepped out of right. the boat? Nobody else stepped out of the boat, but Peter did. Yeah. Right? And that's where we said, did he fail? Yeah, he failed, but he also succeeded. I, I would say he succeeded more by stepping out and trying than staying in the boat. Yeah. And, you know, this is a concept that, you know, like in baseball, you, you miss 100% of the pitches you don't swing for. Right, so. right. Well, I think about, you know, the light bulb. I've used this a lot when I've been talking to people is how many times did the invention of the light bulb not work? You yeah, know? Yeah. But yet he kept going. It would have absolutely have been a failure had he stopped. Yeah. Had he said, well, I've tried this twice. I've tried this 37 times. Yes. I've tried this 89 times. It would have completely been a failure. We wouldn't have, you know, somebody would have invented yeah. it, but we yeah. wouldn't have had it as soon as we did. But he kept going. That was noble failure because it led to the success. And really, I mean, 
noble failure in my opinion is success because you're learning from it when you take your oopsies and you say all right i can either learn from this or i can let it sink me yeah when you choose to learn from it when you understand god's grace is sufficient god will give me wisdom i will learn from this and i will go forward it's not failure it is only failure when you let it stop you yes. from progressing forward. Praise be to God who always leads us to triumph. Yes. You know, if we just readjust our sights, get it back on the wisdom of God, he'll give us the wisdom to succeed every time, regardless of the number of times we fail. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times. You know, you and I have talked to people in the church or, you know, our kids or whatever. And it was, you know, this morning I was messaging somebody who's reached out and they know God's told them something. But again and again and again, they've not done it. And it started to sear their conscience in some ways. And we just had to say, all right, what do you know? Okay, then you move on that. You just start and move forward. If you just start, don't look at yesterday. Don't look at what you messed up, except to learn from it and then move forward. It's a success every time. Yeah, that's right. And when you look at noble failure, you're not talking about uh, believing for failure. You're, You're saying, I'm taking a chance and I'm stepping out. Even if I did, even if I found myself failing, I'm going to get noble failure is I'm giving the best of my ability and I'm giving my all. I'm doing what it takes to make it happen. And if I find that, you know, I fell short in some way, Mm -hmm. um, I'm okay with that. And so like Kevin said this, I I like this quote, Edison said, I didn't fail. I learned 9,000 ways how to not make a light bulb. Right. right, and that's celebrating no noble failure. That's that's one of those places. So, for example, um, we had um, you know, like last week, we had we had a situation uh, where we're moving equipment around, and equipment was dropped, and it cracked a portion of the screen. All right, so this piece of equipment is at least five hundred dollars, right? And we don't know for sure if it's going to work correct or not. And, um, you know, the, the person who did it, I feel like they were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did this. I, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. And, and one of the first things they said was, you know, I'll pay for it. Now, if this person was chronically failing, mm-hmm. I probably would have made them pay for it, right? right? If they were a chronic, chronically right. failing. In other words, they're failing all the time. Because that means that there are habits that you are not putting into place you're not, you don't have success habits. You have not paying attention habits. You have that kind of stuff. Well, but that's not the case in this, in this situation. So if I would have said, uh, no, I, don't worry about it. I'll pay for it. But it was chronic failure. Then now what I'm celebrating is failure, is chronic failure. It's enabling. It's enabling the failure. Yeah. Correct. But that's not the habit of this person. Uh, this person, for whatever reason, it just slipped. And they already, they, I, I know, they already feel bad about it. They, don't, they weren't planning on doing that. They didn't want to do that. For whatever reason, what's going to happen the next time that they're ha- handling equipment? 
I don't have to even teach them. I don't have to say, you know, hey, next time hold on to. I don't have to say that. You know, all I have to, I, I, all I have to do, is keep an atmosphere where work continues to increase. Yeah. See, when you're believing God for increase then one of the things that you want to do is keep an atmosphere of increase. And when you celebrate not chronic failure, but noble failure, you actually produce an atmosphere where people will continue to reach for things that are out of their grasp a moment before. And so you don't, I don't want to develop people that only do what I say. Because if all they do is do what I say, then I have not multiplied uh, myself. You've not multiplied yourself if you do that. We've only created an atmosphere where we have to be there all the time, say exactly what to do, tell them every detail, and all I've done is created more work. When you're believing God for a business or an organization to go to a different level, you've got to get it to the place where you can trust people you can delegate to them, empower them, and trust them, entrust to them uh, the ability to make decisions, think new thoughts, and reach for things that they couldn't reach for before. Now you're duplicating yourself and you're multiplying yourself, but you can't, you can't sit back and create an atmosphere where people are even afraid to take a step. And that's when you, when you don't celebrate noble failure, that's exactly the atmosphere that you will, you know, that you will cause. Now, you know, Jesus will continue to teach people, mm -hmm. but he wasn't berating them. You know, you don't see, this is something you don't see in the Gospels. You remember, they had little faith. They had little faith when they couldn't cast the demon out. Right. They had little faith when, um, when, the storm was assailing mm -hmm. them and they were sitting there in the death storm and he says, peace be still. They had little faith in these instances and you see the correction of Jesus and being point blank about it, but here's what you don't see. Two chapters later, Jesus going, hey, you remember when you messed that up? Right. You know, y'all really need to keep working on yourself. You're just ridiculous. And it, he, he showed the truth in the moment but then they move on. They move on, you know? They move on. Yeah. And you see that even by the Lord's forgiveness. You know, he says, you, no man setting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. So how, what you see in the Lord's forgiveness is, hey, you messed up with sin. You messed up in your life, but I'm not looking back at that. Let's look forward. You know, God is always forward looking. And if we're going to be godly leaders, then we're actually going to be the kind of leaders that are also forward looking. And one of the things, you know, now I'll, I'll tell you, I was not great at this when we first started the church, but I learned very quickly, especially as soon as we started really uh, understanding leadership better, that you can't keep that atmosphere of fear of failure mm -hmm. because you literally will lock down <laughs> everybody around you. You will lock down everybody around you in that way. And uh, you don't want to do that. That that will immediately quench growth. It'll immediately quench increase. And we've already determined that if you quench growth and increase, you're being anti-God. That's it. Because he believes in increase. He believes in growth. So this is not just something, you know, 
uh, creating an environment that celebrates noble failure, not chronic failure, um, is a biblical principle. And it's not just something that we should say, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. No, this is a God idea. It's, yeah. it's shown in the Word. Well, I mean, the Word tells us we're going to do the things Jesus did and greater. Yeah. So that means we're going to have to step out and try. We're going to have to be the Peter at some point that steps out and sinks. Yeah. But next time we step out again. So to yeah. actually not try, it's it's not just fear. Well, I mean, yeah. fear is rooted in this, but it's pride. It is pride to say, I can't try. I yeah. can't do it. Because God's already told us that he will enable us. He will equip us. He's got the grace, the power, the wisdom, the provision that we yeah. need to do all things. You know, we can do all things in Christ. So to say, I can't is yeah. to say, well, God, you're a liar. I, I know me better than you do. Yeah. You know, we've got to understand in ourselves. Sure. We may fail again and again and again. But yeah. when we look to Christ and say, Lord, I don't know, but you do. Yes. Give me the wisdom. When we look to mentors or people who have done it and submit ourselves to them, that's why it's so important to be submitted to a pastor because they have oversight. They can see things we can't see. And when we submit ourselves under them, then they can guide us in the way that the Holy yes. Spirit is leading. They can teach us. They can love us. They can shepherd us the way Jesus shepherded the disciples. He showed them, look, you yeah. messed up here. But God disciplines those he loves. Yes. How does yeah. he discipline? He says, look, you messed up here. Yeah. It wasn't good, but here's what you need to do. Then he led them how to do it right. Yeah. He didn't let Peter sink because, oh, great, how long, Lord? How long? <laughs> you know, doesn't mean we don't think it at times, but... He reached down. He took him by the hand and pulled him up. He didn't press him down. Yeah. Stay down there a little longer. When the bubble stopped happening, maybe you'll learn your lesson. You know, he didn't do that. He reached by the hand and pulled <laughs> him up and then taught him how to keep going, how to improve, how to have an impact on people. He loved them by teaching them. Yeah, amen. But he got tickled. Off, off camera and made me laugh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but what you see is he corrected them in love yeah. and gentleness and mercy. Yeah. Right? And that's one of the things that leaders want to look to is uh, creating that atmosphere where people feel comfortable to step out, to think new thoughts. Because how, watch this, and, and please put this in the comments. How will we ever increase if we don't think new thoughts, right? But if every person that comes up with a new thought goes, well, that's, the leader says, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life, right? Mm -hmm. How often, how many more new thoughts is that person going to come up with? They're not going to share them. That's no, sure. they're not. They may have them, but they're not going to bring them up because they don't want to be made fun of every right. time that they have a new thought. They don't want that. Um, they don't want to be corrected every time. Now, granted, they need to grow beyond, you know, they need to grow some emotional maturity where they right. can be corrected and not take it uh, personally and have some, you know, all right, I do need to, I do it's need a boldness. to. And you see that through Jesus yeah. by talking to his disciples like, you know, oh, you of little faith. 
You know, that was not him like petting their emotions like, oh, you're, you're so sweet. You're, what pretty disciples. And, and, you know, petting them like a cat, you know. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> Please stop. We've got to create. <laughs> I was obedient. <laughs> we've got to create an uh, atmosphere of safe harbor. You know, I know we've talked about that before, but that's not just in speech. You know, safe yeah. harbor has got to be in word and in deed. We create an atmosphere yeah. for um, you know the people that we are mentoring, or our kids, or you know anybody that we're leading. And look, you're leading more people yeah, than what you realize. Right. And the truth is, you're leading people that you don't know, people that are watching you yes. when you respond to your own failure. So you've got to create a yeah. safe harbor for yourself and for others to screw up and be yeah. like, all right, well, that didn't work. Shake it off. Yeah. Let's yeah. keep going. It's, it's get back on the horse mentality. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, it's not that we're sitting there like all failure is okay and everything. No, no it's, it's not. not. It's not okay. But it's not a place where you sit there and just continue to berate somebody mm -hmm. and rake them over the coals because they mess up. Again, if you know, we're not celebrating chronic failure. That shows you a lack of character and a lack of uh, fruit love. of the spirit. Yeah, and walking in love if you continuously do the same things. You know, a, a pastor shouldn't have to, uh, you know, a pastor shouldn't have to tell somebody, you know, 20 times the same thing over a period of five years, the yeah. same correction. A pastor shouldn't have to do that. Jesus shouldn't have to do that. You know, and uh, let's say that you're, you know, you're dealing with something, you're correcting something. You want to be putting, and Romans 8.13 says uh, that we should be putting to death the deeds of the flesh. In other words, what that means is that who do I know, who do I know or who do you know that has every deed of the flesh put to death? I haven't I, met them yet. I don't know anybody, including myself, including you. I don't know anybody. But what I do know are people that are actively putting to death those, you know, those deeds. In yes. other words, they are working on it. They are going after it. But we shouldn't kid ourselves and be sitting there five years later dealing at the same level that you were five years ago, right. watching problems blow up your life. You know, that's, that's celebrating chronic failure. And you can't do that. You have to get real. You have to be self-aware of your fruit. Yes. Right? And so one of the things that's very important is uh, for us to not celebrate chronic failure in that way, but to truly create that atmosphere, what you just wrote in there is, you know, how will we ever increase if we don't come up with new thoughts? But how will you come up? In other words, it's right for us to have new thoughts and change. Growth without change is impossible. Please put that in the comments. Growth without change is impossible. So if we don't have new thoughts and we don't have change, we're not going to grow. We'll just stay at the same level. But, the, but there's a principle. If you stay at the same level, you're already going backwards, backwards. right? Yeah. So in order to go forward and in order to increase, we must have new thoughts and we must have change and we must step out into that change, step out into those new thoughts. Well, who here has heard every thought from the Lord and never missed it? I've definitely missed it multiple times. 
thinking it was the Lord. Yeah. And, and everybody I know has done the same thing. Now, the issue is that if you start creating an atmosphere where people are afraid to step out into those new thoughts, they will just stop altogether. And at that moment, you have completely cut off growth. And as a leader, you've cut off increase in your organization. You've cut off multiplication. You've cut off duplication. And if it grows, it's just solely the mercy of God, but it's not God's plan. Right. It's not God's plan. So we have to say, okay, Lord, how can I create an atmosphere? And one of the things that is... We have a statement on our building teams, on the teams that are planning and coming up with plans and getting those plans executed, is uh, you want to create an atmosphere of safe harbor. Now, what that specifically means is that when we're meeting, that I, you have the ability to speak honestly. Like, you're not going to get your head chopped off because of... Chop your head off. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you're not going to get your head chopped off because you spoke honestly. No, mm -hmm. you're on that building team for honesty. Yes. And in that room, you're there for honesty. And uh, many people don't like this, and many leaders don't like honesty because if people are speaking honestly, it can, it can bring the lack up of it the can leader. challenge your flesh. Yeah, it can challenge the leader's flesh or challenge the leader's lack. And that's where a leader needs to figure out if they're a leader or not. Uh, because if you're a leader, then you're not, if you think that you've got everything perfect and you, and you can't be challenged in those thoughts, then what are you doing leading? Right. Right? And so grow to the place where you're able to challenge your own self. And so, for example, I want to challenge myself before we get into those situations so that I don't have those moments yeah. where lack is shown in me as a leader. I want to lead people in how not to fail. I want to lead people in how to move forward. I want to lead people in putting the flesh down, putting to death the deeds of the flesh. I want to lead people in how to grow and increase and lead the way. I want to, I want to be the one that's breaking new ground in growth. Yeah. Okay? And if I don't have that heart to break new ground and lead the rest of you know, the congregation in the church or lead that that uh, business, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in a business, it applies there just as much as it does church. So if I'm the leader and I'm not okay and I don't trust myself to actually grow, then what am I doing leading in the first place? Right. So I don't mind somebody being honest in that meeting. Now, they don't need to stand up on you know Sunday morning in front of the whole church and say, I just think you're this and this. No, there's a unity you know, and point out all of that stuff because although that may be true, not everybody's maturity is able to handle that. Right. We have an established team that should be mature enough to know the difference where we can talk honestly and work on it together and grow as a team. And so there's a place for honesty. There's a time for honesty. And in that team meeting, in that what we would call a building team, that's the place for honesty. And so if when people start getting honest with me as the leader, I start shutting them down and they, and they are resistant to be honest, then I have created an atmosphere that's not safe harbor and immediately that team 
will stagnate. Yeah. Well, and that's look. That's pride. That's yeah. looking to self. You know. Yeah. Used to. If somebody brought something to me, I was so fearful of what people thought that if you know, if Brian came to me and said, "Look, you messed up here," I mean, I would just implode and melt. You know, because I'm horrible. You know, and I think of all the reasons why yeah. that I'm I'm so bad. I did so wrong at this. I'm never going to do this again. And all of that was I I I I. If I, you can't take constructive criticism, you'll never let God construct you bigger. You know, yeah. you've got to understand that constructive criticism point. isn't criticism. It's to construct you to greater levels. Yes. And a building team, be it ministry or business or family, spouses. You're there to build each other up. You're there to reach new levels yeah. together. You know, what's the point of reaching the top of Mount Everest if you're by yourself? You know, how how boring, how uncelebratory, because nobody's there to celebrate with you. You know, you want somebody at the peak with you. And that comes from climbing new heights together. You know, and so being a leader, you want to think so massive that you're the one that says, hey, let's climb Mount Everest. Yeah, that's crazy. We're not fit. We'll get there. You know, we'll mess up. Yes, but we'll overcome and we'll keep climbing. You know, be okay as a leader to try big and fail big. But then show your show your team when you fail, what does it look like? You know, I just had a talk yesterday with um, somebody in the church, one of the leaders, who their heart was right, but they just missed the mark. And we were talking about it. And, you know, at first they weren't getting it, but they kept talking it out. Because we've created an environment of safe harbor where yeah. they feel comfortable to ask questions. How did I miss it? Why do I miss it? I don't understand. And we kept talking until finally they got the revelation on their own. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go fix that. And what they're going to be doing is going to people that they lead. So people you know, on an org chart that are under them, they're going to that person and saying, look, hey, I misunderstood this. I probably misspoke here. Just wanted to apologize. Well, that doesn't teach their team that they're failures. That teaches their team it's okay to miss the mark, but here's how you correct it. Here's how you pursue unity. Here's how you grow from it. But when a leader doesn't want to have their team come to them and say, I think this idea didn't work, or I think this idea could be better. That leader is not a leader. That leader is just a prideful person that thinks of nobody but themselves. You know, I had to understand when I missed it, it wasn't all about me. It was about the people I was leading. So instead of looking at me on my failures, I had to look at God on his ability of what can I learn from this? How can I take my team and advance them forward? How can I humbly use myself and say, you know what? I missed the mark here. Let's not do it my, that yes. way. Yes. Let's hear from God and learn how to do it his way. Messing up isn't bad. Staying in the mess up is horrible. Amen. I'm just making a note I'm going to share here in a minute. Um, one of the things that I think that important is in that like what I was talking about being in that meeting and creating safe harbor uh, safe harbor in that building team is going to honestly uh, that that is the responsibility of the leader absolutely um, the people 
can add to the safe harbor, but the leader must create that atmosphere. Yeah. And it is solely within uh, their hands to create that atmosphere. And if that atmosphere is not there, they need to take responsibility for creating the atmosphere of safe harbor where people can speak honestly. Now that's on a, a leadership team, that's on a building team, that's not every team, that's mm -hmm. a team that's specifically designed uh, to uh, create plans, ideas, it's when you draw your leaders around you for your team. But um, you want to have honesty in that meeting. Why? Because you want to be able to face facts. If you don't face facts, you won't grow. So honesty will help you do those things. But one of the things that I you know, was getting at in that meeting is, just like we need to have honesty in that meeting, I need to create an atmosphere of safe harbor where people can put it on the table, I miss this. You know, in other words, an honesty of their failures. So it's honesty continued, but it's an honesty to show, hey, I was reaching for this, I swung and missed, yeah. and I failed. Yeah. And if they don't feel that atmosphere for honesty to fail in that way, then just like you'll close down all conversation in that building team meeting, you'll close down conversation. You'll close down uh, people actually reaching for increase across the whole organization. So the honesty factor continues to go in that way. Well, and they'll stop coming to you. Yes. If they don't they'll feel just, free yep. Yep. To, to fail and learn from it, if they don't feel free to be honest and receive your loving guidance, your loving forgiveness, they'll stop coming to you all together. Yeah. And the problem is you have something, as a leader, you have something to impart to them. Yes. And it's not just a one-time impartation. It's a relationship. Yeah. It's a growing together, you know? So if, if, you know, just husband and wife, the husband is the lead. So in that, if he'd have berated me every time I messed up, because look, when we got married, you know, he came from a he came from a business minded ministry minded upbringing. I did marine not minded. marine yeah. minded. Marine yeah. dad and in the marine. Yeah, so it was. So yeah. he had his dad was a marine. His dad had been a pastor. His dad had been a business owner. Yeah. By the time I met him, he had been a marine. He had been a pastor's kid. So they they know things that other congregants don't know. And he was already moving towards his own entrepreneurial path. So. He was a leader multiple times over. I was not. I was very much scared of my own shadow, didn't want to lead, would prefer to be hugging the wall and happy to support that wall. <laughs> he had a lot of work to do with me and pulling me out, getting me to the place that I can talk to a camera now. And, you yeah. know, lots of work. Well, in that, if he had grown weary and just, I don't understand why you can't do this. Open your mouth and talk. It's just a camera. I would have crumbled. Or pointed out everything. Yes, that I you saw did this wrong. You, you did, did that wrong. wrong. I was yeah. harping on it, nagging on it, like, and nitpicking every single thing. Yeah. It would have destroyed your ability to grow from that place. It would have justified in my yeah. head celebrating the weaknesses. Yeah. You know, if he would have never celebrated the small successes that were buried in the giant failures, all I would have seen 
was the giant yeah. failures and I would have stayed down. Instead, he pointed out at, at the leading of the Lord, not every time, he pointed out, you could probably do this better. Here's how I would do it. He gave me, here's what didn't go well, but here's how you might could do it better. Yeah. So there wasn't just the critique, there was the construction of how to go better. Yeah. But then there was the celebration of, but you know what? You did it. You got out there and you tried. Yeah. I am so pleased with you. And he celebrated that, which the next time I went out there, I, being someone who wanted to bless my husband and please my husband, I heard where he was pleased. He, he was happy that I tried. Yeah. I'm going to do this again. And what did he say? What was it he said that he told me I could do better? Yeah. And because there was the celebration of the small success, I was able to slowly climb and overcome the giant weaknesses so that they became leveled. You've got to understand your yeah. team will fail, but celebrate the success. Yes. Love them. Don't, don't cut that connection that God has made. You're called to impart into them. But if all you ever do is berate them, they will stop coming to you and they will not glean from you. Yeah. Well, and that means early on in being prepared for ministry, when the Lord was talking to me about people, one of the things that he said was, look, and this was to help me. It wasn't necessarily to help them, but what I didn't realize is it would help them as well. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that he said was, look for something to give a compliment on. Yes. Look in people there's and see. always something good. What, and he said, if you'll look, there's always something you can compliment. Yeah. And um, so he told me, you know, start with clothes, like clothing. So I still to this I day. I like your shirt. Thank you very much. I wore purple for you. And so I like yours too. It looks good on the camera as Thanks. well. And on you. And, uh, but we won't dwell there. So amen. We just made them all uncomfortable. <laughs> we love you. Love you. And um, so that's why even to this day, I will make sure that I compliment people, and it's easy for me to see things that I can compliment because I'm still looking to this day. Now, what that means is that doesn't mean that I never correct them, but I am looking for what they do well. Yeah. And here's one of the greatest lessons that I ever learned as a leader and as a coach, as like a soccer coach, and you know, you know, in that way. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned, and I finally got it through my head, and I recognize it, this is real for me, you mm -hmm. know, is uh, everybody is looking on some level for somebody that believes in them. Yep. Everybody is looking for someone that believes in them. Amen. Everybody is. And when you become that person, you will start leading on another level. Amen. When you, and so if all I'm doing is looking at all your faults, what I'm telling you is subconsciously, I don't believe in you. You'll never get there. And you'll, you're not helping that person and you're not helping yourself. But when I see what you're doing well and I'm looking for the thing to compliment, mm -hmm. then, I'm, then I'm believing in you. I, when I'm just looking for the good thing, I'm believing that you're going to be bringing one, yeah. right? I'm believing that you have something good to give. Yeah. And immediately your mind shifts 
from I don't believe you to I do believe you. And subconsciously and you know, even indirectly, people pick up on that. Like they will know if you genuinely believe in them or not. And what I didn't realize was when my belief in other people changed, it literally gave them a helping hand to take confidence in themselves. Yep. And as a soccer coach, when that shifted in me, the kids started believing in themselves. Yes. And their level went went to another level. They increased, they grew, and they well, gave me their best. And right. because you chose to believe in the small, no matter how small it was, you found something in every one of them. Yes. Those kids yeah. adored him, and they would do anything for Coach Brian because he loved them, and he made them feel good about themselves. He believed in them, and because of that, they worked their butts off to be there for Coach Brian. If Coach Brian said, let's do this, they would give every effort to get it done because he believed they could do it. And they knew yeah. he believed they could do it. And they saw the success of their efforts. Yeah. You know? So one thing as a leader in helping them to establish belief in themselves, this is a huge point, is I wasn't asking them to do something that was beyond their mm -hmm. scope I was stretching all of them, all of them. I would stretch, and I do that in the church as well. But, but watch and this. The Lord showed me, the Lord will help you. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. But one of the things I saw out there, and I do it now, and I don't know that I've ever put words to it before today, is the Lord showed me, and you basically stretch everybody, but don't ask them to do something that they can't see yet. Show them, in other words, if I'm going to ask them to do something they don't even have vision for, the first thing that I need to do is I need to give them and get vision in them that it's possible, right? And if, if that's too far beyond them, then what I need to do is I just need to stretch them beyond their comfort zone, yeah. but get them to do something that they can do. So let me give you an example of that. So most kids were uncomfortable running uh, around for about 15 minutes. They all could do it, but we would start every one of our practices out with a run, Yeah. right? They all thought, you know, over five minutes is too long. You know, mm -hmm. anything over five minutes. Well, what did I start with? I started running for 10. And they would say, you know what, I can do this. And then they get it get better and it get easier. And then we could run for 15. And then, you know, so we... We continued to stretch that, but it would go just beyond their comfort zone. So they're being stretched, but they see the success of it. Then they saw that they got faster. Their, their skill level went up. And I was asking them to hit items that they were uncomfortable with, but they could see them. And if they couldn't see them, then I would build vision in it till they could see it. And then you started watching these pieces of success fall into place. Well, now, when these kids know that I asked them to do things they, they didn't think they could do, but I said, you can do it, and then they, then they get to the place where they can do it, yeah. they're like, I can do anything he tells me to. Yeah. And they're right. They're right. All things are, are possible to them that believe. They started believing in me. Well, we just transition that to what the Lord is doing, and all things are possible. So if you're in a team, in a business, in a church, you know, it's the same principles where you, you stretch and you lead 
but you create a place where people can achieve things. You don't want to put them in an environment where they actually do always fail. In other words, if I, you know, if I told everybody here, um, you know, if I told everybody here to do something that wasn't really possible to do for six months, but I created an environment and I said, we're going to do this, we've got to do this, and they fail for six months, I'm going to lose most of the team. Very few people have discipline to do something like that for a yeah. long period of time. And that, that can be a difficult area uh, for, in the flesh to a leader because sometimes a leader has that discipline and then they expect that discipline out of everybody else. They may do it naturally or because they were raised in it uh, or see the value in it. They, they're, they're, uh, a leader many times has a long vision, so they will see further than other people do, and they're willing to do today what other people aren't willing to do so that they can have tomorrow what other people can't. And they'll see that vision and know that this daily method of operation is worth it. All right, now, one of the issues is because a leader sees that and knows that to him or to her, it's a reality. But to other people, they haven't learned that yet. They haven't seen that. They don't have the vision for it. So to them, it's not a reality. So when a leader with that vision goes in and forces that reality before he creates the vision, then he's going to basically tell them, you're done. You can't do it. So the leader has to take time, and the leader has to have some mercy until that person grows to that place. <clears throat> I'm reminded of, um, thank you, Lord, for pouring out wisdom here uh, mm -hmm. today. But I'm reminded of uh, John 21 when, when Jesus tells Peter, uh, feed, do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. And he says it three different ways, and you don't really see this unless you look at the unless you look at the original language in the Greek. But what he says is, Peter, if you love me, he says in the original language, feed my lambs, the immature lambs, feed my sheep, the mature sheep, and then he says, oversee my sheep. Now what he doesn't say is oversee the lambs. Right. He doesn't say oversee, an oversight means a guidance, a correction, a redirection. He just says feed them. Mm -hmm. And so basically what Jesus is saying, he's given, he's given every pastor out there something that I wish I'd have known when we started the church. Feed everybody. Give, you know, feed them the word. But don't try to oversee and correct them and give them guidance until they grow up enough to receive it. That right there will save a whole lot of pastors, a lot of grief, and a lot of leaders as well. So until they're at the place where I can give direction as a leader, I just keep feeding them. I just keep loving them. I just keep believing in them until they get to the place where I can say, you don't need to do that anymore. You know, And some people are ready for that. Some people are looking for that. Some people aren't. And I've had many people who say that they're ready and they put on a front like they're ready and then I actually get to the place of discipline and they fall to pieces, you know. <laughs> and uh, then I've had many people that uh, over a period, I've had some people over a period of time where they walk in, they're ready for correction, yeah. they're ready for discipline, they're ready to go, 
And, uh, and I love that. I'm, I'm always looking for pe more people like that. But they're the people that have stretched themselves. Generally, they've stretched themselves or they've been prepared by somebody else. But it's like, a, yeah, I think about, just to break it down super simply, it's the rubber band effect. You know, if you take a rubber band and it's never been stretched and you just stretch it to here, it's going to snap and yeah. it will never be what it was called to be because it's broken. Yeah. But if you take it and little by little, you just work it. Yes. Stretch, release, stretch, release, stretch, release. Next thing you know, it's where it needs to be yeah. but it, and it's not been broken because we've taken our time and worked on it little by little, but that's faith and patience. Yeah. You know, if we're always focused on where we're not, yeah. we'll never praise God for where we are. Yes. We've got to look at where we are. What is God doing now? But as we're celebrating where we are, we take them by the hand and lead them. And it's kind of like, you know, I think about, I've got the, you know, the visual of walking down the road. You know, we walk down the road, walking and talking. And the next thing you know, you look back and it's like, wow, we've, we've come, come this far. Yeah. Yeah. But it's because you've taken them by the hand yes. and celebrated where they were, leading them further and further. Yeah. And before you know it, they get where they need to be. Yeah. But if yeah. all you do is look at where they're not, they won't praise God for yeah. where they are and keep trying. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, you know, like Barrett says, she was that person who thought thought she was ready and then found out she wasn't or what I think that's what she's saying. And then she says, hopefully I'm turning more and more into that person, the one who is ready for growth. You are. You are. We've why that's why you're in leadership is because you are constantly becoming that person more and more each day. And uh, you know, even yesterday Barrett and I were having a conversation. I was giving her some redirection and some correction on some things. And the way that she took it today versus the way that she would have taken it two years Completely ago, five different. years ago totally different. Yeah. You are becoming that person and more and more every day where I can actually have those conversations easily, you know, and that's what you want. You want to make it easy for your leaders to have a conversation with you that's corrective and not, you know, melt, melt. Then you want to build that emotional maturity so that you're ready for that increase. Uh, Marky says, are there markers for people uh, that are ready for correction? Yeah, yeah, there are markers. First of all, they'll have, they will have emotional maturity. Uh, two, uh, they will take correction and act on it. You know, uh, I, if I tell somebody, you know, uh, you need to change this, and they say, okay, and then um, they go on and they don't change it. And then I tell them again, you need to change this. You need to stop doing this. And they say, okay, but then they don't do it. And then I tell them again, you know, eventually I'm going to stop telling them and all of the answers are always going to be fix what I already told you. Until you fix that, there's no moving forward. That person's not ready for an ongoing growth and an ongoing increase. They will not increase the way that they should and walk out their destiny until they fix that. So mm -hmm. there are markers of people and basically it's just an emotional maturity that and not being afraid of being wrong. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be fearful of being wrong. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about with Barrett earlier is, you know, when she first got here and she's in her early 20s, you know, and she was upset and condemning herself because she was making mistakes that that 40-year-olds only knew. You right. Know? 
And it's like, Barrett, you're not 40. You've not even seen that yet. Why are you feeling like that makes you inferior? And so that goes back to a good leader who doesn't see somebody as inferior because they just haven't lived long enough to experience it. You know, a, a good leader is not you know, berating somebody in that way because they've never seen it before. You know, throughout this process in the past month, we've got like all new equipment, new stuff going on in the studio and everything. Do you know how many mistakes we had, especially the first few days after it was new? You know, oh my goodness, they were everywhere. You know, and what did I tell people? I said, I said, don't worry about it. Those are growth mistakes. Yeah. Those, we, that we're having this because we're growing. That's right. I always celebrate growth, and I'm not gonna. You know, it, it, now if it happened for ten days in a row and you didn't fix it, now we got a problem. Now it's a character issue. But that didn't happen. It happened once. They'd jump on it and get it fixed. The next day, it'd be working fine. Yeah. Know? So there's a lot of typing up there. There is. <laughs> so, yeah. I think it's important to realize that, you know, I see Marky's comment. I think I've been afraid of being wrong more than most people. I was there. You know, I was very much there. But Holy Spirit helped me to see in that moment, in the being fearful of being wrong, I was looking at me. When I started to change my focus more to him and more to others, I didn't care as much about the being wrong. Yeah. Suddenly what I was concerned with was how do I make it right? Yeah. You know, and that's where love comes into play. We don't want to be wrong. I don't think anybody wants to be wrong. Yeah. But chronic failure comes from somebody only looking at themselves, not caring. Yeah. And, you know, being self-centered or lazy-minded of either self-centered, I'll never get this right because they're only looking at themselves, or lazy, it's just too hard to try. You know, most people, even in those, aren't malicious. They're just walking in the, the deception of looking to self. Yeah. But when we look to God and we look to others and we let love motivate us, Yeah. I don't care about what I did wrong. How do I make it right? Yeah. How do I grow from this? How do I bless you next time and not mess up? When love became my motivation rather than someone's perception of me, yes. I didn't care yeah. as much about being wrong and it didn't wreck me like it used to because it used to completely wreck me. Yeah. But I changed my focus instead to, for me to love. Well, and we've got some really good comments that I want to read. And I want to say one more thing about love, the approach of, of to your subordinates from the leadership position in love. I want to say something about that. And then after we read the comments, I want to finish up by talking about some condemnation. But one of the things that the Lord gave to me that really started to turn my thinking around was... He, and he asked me, so Romans 8.13 really shows it in Scripture where it talks about putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Well, the way that the Lord described it to me before I even found Romans 8.13 as a backup to it is in, as I was praying out some struggles that I was having with people, one of the things that he said was, he said, look and see if people are taking steps towards God. Mm-hmm. If they're taking steps towards God, then basically leave them alone about correction. You know, there'll be things to do, but don't 
get on them. You know, yeah. you know, in other words, if you've got somebody in the church and they are not moving towards God, then you need to correct that and get them on the path. But here's another thing he said. Don't be upset if they're going slower than what you expect. Yeah, or what at least you they're want. moving. If they're moving, they will get there and they'll pick up speed. Yep. If they're just, if their direction is the Lord, it will get faster and faster and faster. And, but also, you know, how many times have I not moved as fast? Well, I want the mercy of God as right. well, you know. I want that mercy as well. And uh, so, as in other words, what I'm getting at is this, is make sure that love is that motivator, not just to get things right or for things in your organization to go easy and light for your sake. Yeah. In other words, I'm not just looking at me. I'm looking at that person. I'm more, listen, people are more important than the event. People are more important than the action item. People are more important than the list. And people are the, the thing that's made in the image and likeness of God, not the event. Yeah, the event can help us lead to other people, but don't lose love for the people in the middle of your list, right? And that, that's something you need to focus on yeah. and keep. This is what we're here for, you know? I, I think, I, you know, for example, you know, they say your mother and brothers are outside. He said, look, these are my mother and brother. This family that I have, that we are growing together, this is what's important right now. There's something to be said for a spiritual family that's moving together that's bigger than the event, that's bigger than the other stuff. The event will come and go, but those people, they are eternal. They're the ones made in the image and likeness of God. And having a heart of love towards that has been, you know, is a great thing. So... Uh, and that really helped me as well. Serena says, if we're always focused on where we're not, we won't be praising God for where we are. It's a great, great point. You know, and that's just it. See, the devil wants to get you off of, you know, and that's get you off of what you do have. That's exactly yeah. what he did with Peter walking on the water. Peter walks on the water, and then he focused on what he didn't have, physics, to hold him up. It's the very first thing you did with Eve. Yeah, yeah. Focused on what, that's exactly right. And so the devil's always trying to get you to look at what you don't have instead of look at what you do have and get your eyes off of that. And so if we constantly look at where we're failing instead of where we're going diligently, and you know, if you're not going diligently, then yeah, you need to correct that. But if you're diligently going after them, focus on that. You're going forward. You know, I'm pleased with you. If you're moving forward, if you're putting to death the deeds of the flesh, I am pleased with you. And I know that if you're doing that between you and God, I believe in you because I know that even where you'll miss it, he can make up the difference. Yeah. I believe in you, you know. And, and that really is a reality. It's a great point. Mm -hmm. So Barrett said uh, she thought about the correction conversation we had yesterday. Used to, she would have melted down. But yesterday, yesterday, she was able to see her heart, my heart for her, instead of seeing through the lens of they think I'm awful. No, and see, that's what I was saying about the leader looking in love. You don't, you don't look at the, the mess up. Do you know why? Like, for example, do you know why I was having to correct her? I was having to correct her because she has increased to a place of growth that she's never been to before. 
And I was having to show her some areas that she didn't know before now. And that's a growth problem. That's a, that's a great problem to have. We celebrate those because those are areas there you've never been here before. You never saw that kind of problem. You know, praise God for the mercy of God that helps us and keeps us Amen. in that area. Amen. But he said, he quoted the verse, Obey your leaders. Uh, and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. For this, if you if you made it grief to your leaders, this will, would be unprofitable uh, to you. So uh, Mark, he said, I think I've been afraid of being wrong more than most people. You know, a lot of people are like that. They're They're just afraid to miss it. They're afraid to mess up, and because of that, They've not, watch this, a leader should create an atmosphere where people can strive and reach and, and grab for things higher, reach for increase. But as a person, and watch this, the leader of your own life, if you also create an environment for yourself where you're afraid to reach for things, you will stagnate yourself. Yeah. And so that's what she's saying. Great point and great revelation. Kevin says, I'm ready for my growth. Um, Kevin also said, Marky, I've been there so much that I failed to make any decisions in the window of opportunity. Yeah, and, and I think most people have. Yeah, William and he said, said me too. Yeah, William said me too. He said, I missed the opportunity because of fear of failure. So, see, this is a self-assessment and a self-awareness, which is the beginning of emotional maturity, is when you actually start to say, yeah, I need to work on this. That's why we're talking about this. This is why we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, noble failure and celebrating it. It's because there's a lot of people that are afraid to even step towards anything. Serena said, if people are pursuing God, I shouldn't get upset if they're not going at the speed I think they should. Exactly. And how many times is that going to happen? <laughs> All the time, because if you're actually the leader placed by God, generally that means you've gone that way before, you've seen those problems before, and you at least are on the beginning of a solution so you can see things other people don't see, and you should be running at a speed others aren't, faster than they are. So your speed compared to their speed should always be different, and their speed generally is always going to be slower. So just know that because that's why he has you leading is because you've learned how to increase your speed. You've learned how to increase your wins. Well, that's why you're there. Don't get upset with people because they're not there yet. That's why you have a position as a leader. All right. Um, love has, Margie said, love has not been my motivation for excellence, but instead a fear of failure. What a great revelation. Amen. That's a great revelation. And Serena agrees. She said, that's a really <laughs> good point, Marky Dunphy. <laughs> Barrett said, yesterday it was truly an exciting moment because I realized that what you were bringing to me uh, would cause me to go even higher. Praise God for perspective change. Amen. Uh, but he says, correction helps develop the character we need to continue to grow and retain that growth. Amen. So one of the things, I'm going to put this in now. I, and so I just put in a comment. To create an atmosphere of growth, and remember this before I read this. Let's go back to Timothy, who was already a pastor. Right. right? 
Timothy was a pastor. He was the leader of people. And what does Paul really get across to Timothy? Uh, he doesn't just go to Paul and say, this is what you do to the people. This is what you tell them. This is how you need to lead people. That's really not what Paul does with Timothy, the pastor, right. the leader. What Paul does to Timothy is say, Timothy, number one, study to show yourself approved. In other words, what he says in context throughout both 1st and 2nd Timothy, Timothy, Pastor Timothy, Leader Timothy, work on yourself. Yep. And as you work on yourself, that will be what you need to help other people. But if you got the log in your own eye, you won't be able to get the speck out of theirs, right? In other words, he tells Timothy, you need to work on yourself. So with that in mind, our number one job is always to work on me. See, the number one thing I could do as a soccer coach was work on myself as a coach. Yeah. Like, in order to coach that team the best and lead those kids the best, the number one thing I needed to do was not work on the kids. It wasn't the kids that were lacking. It was the coach. <laughs> All right, so now... Um, let, let me read this to you. To, to create an atmosphere of growth and increase, we must work on ourselves first as the leader. We must be able to be corrected and confident that we will grow personally enough to lead the way. Amen. To show the speed, to show the direction, to show the vision. Okay? We must repent and receive forgiveness quickly. Now that's what I wanted to focus on here at the end. And uh, so I want you to see this. If you as a leader do not repent quickly and receive forgiveness quickly and move out of condemnation, then you will be judging yourself wrongly. And if our first work is ourselves and I'm judging myself wrongly, I'm going to create an atmosphere of judgment yep. that will judge every failure wrongly as well. Not only that, but I show, I show a precedent to everybody that I'm leading on how to stay bound up in condemnation. Right? So as a leader and as somebody who's growing, I must learn how to repent quickly, wholeheartedly, Receive by faith, receive by faith forgiveness, which means it's not only forgiven, it's forgotten. Yep. Thrown into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west, and I must immediately move out of condemnation. So if I pray for forgiveness, if I repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness and receive that by faith, and I step out of that prayer and I still feel the weight of condemnation, I need to go back and pray again. It should be an instantaneous thing by faith that you receive that. That's one of the greatest things that I learned as a leader was how to forgive myself. How to forgive myself. In other words, I didn't continually punish myself yeah. for past sins that I had received forgiveness of, that, that the Lord says, I, you, <laughs> Marky, thanks for doing a broadcast for me today. You're welcome. <laughs> so funny. But uh, and watch this. If I don't lead the way in repentance, yeah. and repentance is the first, 
And to repent means that I change my way of thinking. Where I was going this direction, I will never go that direction again. I'm making a heart decision, not just a mental decision, a heart decision. Lord, I love you. I never want to have that bad fruit again. I never want to sin again. I'm going the opposite direction. I'll never go back. I will never go back, right? And so, uh, and that's a heart repentance. And then in that heart repentance, I ask the Lord for forgiveness in 1 John uh, 1 in verse like 9, 10, and 11, I believe it is. Right there it says, if you, if you ask for forgiveness, if you repent and ask for forgiveness, if you confess it is what it says there, he is faithful and just to forgive you from every transgression. Yeah. God is faithful. Well, if God is faithful to forgive you, and God in all his wisdom and in all his knowledge and in everything that he can see and do chose to forgive you, then if I don't forgive myself, that's straight pride, saying I know better yep. than what God does, right? And uh, I had a couple of things that, that I did. Um, I, I haven't read, uh, been able to read Corey's comment, but I'll let you read it and see if I, we need to read it or, or not. But um, I had a couple of things that happened to me that I want to give to you that really, really helped me. Um, one of the things, uh, several years ago, I mentioned this yesterday, I believe. Several years ago, I went to several different places out of town where nobody knew me. Nobody knew who I was. They didn't even know I was a pastor. I was just at a meeting. And I had uh, four different people walk up to me and almost say verbatim the exact same words to me. And uh, they all said, God just wants you to know he is so pleased with you. And honestly, when the first person said, I was like, okay, you know, I've received words before. And a lot of times people miss it. But then in the same meeting, a second person walked up and said the exact same words. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, like two weeks later, I went to another meeting. And in that meeting, somebody else walked up to me and said the same thing. And then somebody else said the same thing. I was like, okay. God's talking to me, you know, and, uh, <laughs> but, but I honestly had a problem with it. Like I was, I really did not receive that right then because I was sitting there thinking, man, I still got stuff going wrong. Yeah. I like, I'm, I, I don't, I feel like a failure, yeah. you know, I feel like a failure because yeah, I'm working on stuff, but I just don't feel like I'm as accomplished as I should be. I'm not there yet. You know, towards sin. Yeah. I'm not talking about accomplished in ministry. I'm talking about just putting down the flesh. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I should be further along and, and do more, you know, be better. And um, I had a problem with it. It was about a year before I really, because I, I just kept meditating on that. I was like, how, Lord, like, I should have more sin out of my life. I should have more flesh submitted, I think, I feel like. And uh, I said, how, and I literally, I asked the question, I said, how can you be pleased with me? How can you be pleased with me? And he said, and he spoke to me clearly. He said, I'm pleased with you because as soon as you recognize that you've missed it, and sinned or not put the flesh down. He, and here, here was his words. And I want you to hear this because I want all I want him to be pleased with all of us, including me. He said, I'm pleased with you because you are quick to repent. Man, I went, oh, Lord. It wasn't that I got it right. 
it was that I didn't let sin linger. I didn't yeah. let the flesh linger. I, I, I dealt with it quickly. In other words, my heart is, Lord, I recognize it, and I messed up, and I want it changed now. You know, And, and he, you deal with it quickly. And so at that moment, man, it was like I just saw that, and it blessed me so much. So in other words, the heart of God is for us to be quick to repent. Quick, be quick to repent. Don't linger in it. Don't let your thoughts keep going. Don't meditate on those wrong things. If you even have a wrong thought, be quick to repent. Yes. But also be quick to have faith to receive. And let me show you one more step of the heart of God because this deals with how you as a leader deal with other people. And we want to be God-like. So when you see somebody that's messing up and they're quick to repent, now remember, repentance is not, oh, I'm sorry, and then you do the same thing again and again and again and again and again. That's not repentance. That's not true repentance. So I'm not, I'm not moved when people say, oh, I'm sorry, right. I repent. I'm moved when, because he says true godly sorrow is worldly sorrow is really when you're sorry you got caught and now you have to pay mm -hmm. a pay up a, a punishment for it right that's god that's worldly sorrow godly sorrow leads to repentance and repentance means true repentance means i actually change that thing and i'm i'm actively changing that so just because somebody tells me they're sorry, that doesn't mean anything until you see the fruit of that repentance, you know, uh, as a leader. I want to see an actual change or an attempt, an effort of putting to death the deeds of the flesh. They're taking steps towards that repentance. Yeah, repentance must bear fruit. Now, so one of the things that we want to do as a leader is be quick to repent and actually walk in that. But here, here's another thing is we want to be quick and wholeheartedly believe that God will completely forgive you. Will completely forgive Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Completely forgive you. Wipe it away. Right then. Yeah. And don't just believe it, receive the forgiveness, which means I'm no longer carrying weight on myself. God has carried that weight for me. I receive your forgiveness which means I can step right out of that flesh moment, right out of that sin, and walk in the righteousness of God if I have a true heart repentance in that moment. And I'm not just you know, sinning knowing that he'll forgive me. The Bible says, God forbid that you do that. But when I find myself having messed up, I don't sit there in the place of failure. Right. I move on. And now what I'm doing is I've created an atmosphere of increase and honesty for myself, which also creates an atmosphere and an example for the people around me. Let me give you one more story that happened. And this was years ago before I started pastoring. But uh, and, you know, we were married and you know, when I went, basically, you know, I was born again when I was young and then at 14, you know, went through just some trauma in our family and through, you know, divorce of my parents, stuff like that. And not, not, you know, I was old enough to make my own choices. And I made choices that were ungodly and not going towards God. I wasn't denying him, but I wasn't going towards him. Then we met and then you got born again. And that really, in that time frame, my heart started turning back to the Lord as an adult. Instead of you know, not being really interested as much, I started really going towards right. him. 
And, uh, but in the meantime, I had formed some worldly habits. And I would go and I'd be like going after God for six months so strong. Uh, but I had one foot in the, in the Lord and one foot in the world. And uh, I'd go after God for six months, and it'd be awesome. People would be like, oh, my goodness, just look at what Brian's doing you, and all of this. And then all of a sudden, I'd be meditating on things of the world and fun I had. And for six months or three months or six months, I'd go and, you know, uh, you know party all night. And it was like, how in the world can I be at these two different places and I really understood, you know, what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 7 mm -hmm. when he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. When you have one foot in the world and one foot in God, it is a wretched place. And it was like ripping me to pieces, yeah. you know. And I went through this cycle, I don't know, five times it seemed like. Mm -hmm. And it was like years of yeah. going through this cycle. And uh, now the interesting thing is the Lord had called me to preach. So he called me to preach as an adult. Well, he called me to preach as a kid, but as an adult, he called me to preach uh, about 1999, and this was around 2003, 2004, 2003, I think it was. And um, so here he is, and you had gotten born again in 1996, mm -hmm. so that began the process. Um, so he really started ministering that to me. So I've been for years now going through this up and down, right? Finally, I'm sitting there praying to the Lord one day. And I said, Lord, you know, why am I going through this? And he showed me how I was missing it and what was causing me to slip. And it was all in my thoughts. I'd, I would think about the pleasures of the world and then I'd meditate on it before I knew it. I was doing those things. And so all of a sudden, um, the Lord said this to me. He said, and I want you to hear this, for forgiveness and repentance and how much the Lord loves you and wants to pull you out of it and what the Lord sees in you. You know, everybody needs somebody to believe in them. Listen, the Lord believes in you. The Lord believes in you. And here's what he said. I said, Lord, I'm just so sorry. I'm sorry that I've been going through these up and down times and I hate it. I don't want to do it anymore. And I was asking him for forgiveness and then the Lord said this to me. He said, son, he said, I knew when I called you to preach, I knew that you would go through these times. He's, and, and think about that. When he called me years before that, he knew I was going to go through those up, yeah. up and down times. And here's what he said. I saw those times and I called you anyway. Oh, my goodness. You're talking about breaking me down. I'm like, oh, you're so awesome and everything. In other words, he saw all my mess, and he still said, I believe in you, and I called you anyway. Because what it was he saying, I knew you would come through. Yeah. I believed in you to come through. I believed in you. And he's saying that to you today, I believe in you. So I just want you to pray right now. Just pray right now. Just say, Father. Father. I just repent, I just repent of, everything, of everything, of every sin, of, every sin, of, everything, of everything that I've ever done, that I've ever done against, you. against you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. Lord, from this day forward, Lord, from this day forward in, true repentance, in true repentance, you are the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of my life. You're the director. You're the director. Whatever you tell me, to do, you tell me to do, I will do. I will do. 
I believe you died for I me. I believe you died for and me. For my sin. And for my sin. And it took you. And it took you to the cross and the grave. The cross and the grave. And I believe. And I believe that the Holy Ghost. That the Holy Ghost brought you back to life. Brought you back to life. By the power of the Father's love. By the power of the Father's and love. And I believe. And I believe that God raised you up. That God raised you up. To the right hand of the Father. To the right hand of the Father. And when He raised you out of that grave, and when He raised you out of that grave, you did not leave me in that you place did not of leave death. Me in that place of death. But today, but today, by faith, by faith, I believe, I believe that you have saved me. That you have saved me. That you love me. That you love me. That you believe in me. That you believe in that me. That even when I was at my worst, that even when I was at my worst, you saw me. You saw me. And said. And said. I was worth it. I was worth it. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. When I wasn't deserving of it. When I wasn't deserving. Thank of you it. for your faith in me. Thank you for your faith and in your me. faithfulness. And your faithfulness. When I wasn't faithful to you. When I wasn't faithful to you. But I'll live faithfully from this day forward. But I'll live faithfully from this day forward. Jesus. Jesus. Baptize me. Baptize me. In the Holy Ghost and fire. In the Holy Ghost and fire. To be the person. To be the person. And the leader. And the leader. And the person that grows. And the person that and grows. And increases. And increases. For your sake. For your sake. And the kingdom. And the kingdom. From this day forward. From this day forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's so good. He does believe in you. Yeah. The Lord believes in you. Hallelujah. And he wants you to be a leader. He's calling you to be a leader. He's calling every person in his body to be a leader, to make disciples. That means that you're leading people in a discipline towards God, and everybody's called to be a disciple maker. God has a destiny for you as a leader in his kingdom, but it's our job to start putting into effect some of those things. And so as we wrap up, I want to see if you have anything else. I talked for quite some time at the end. And no, it was all good. I mean, we could sit here and talk for another yeah, hour. So I agree. At, at some point, we've got to cut it off. But it's, uh, you know, I would say watch, you know, watch the end again and again and again. Because yeah. if you, you know, what you don't receive and do for yourself, you can't give and do for others. Yeah. You know, so you've got to receive that forgiveness and you've got to disciple yourself yeah. to keep going forward and to be okay to fall and get back up. But when you get that in your heart for yourself, it's so easy to forgive others and to disciple others. Yeah. So get that for yourself that you're loved, you're believed in, and God called you worthy. Yeah. God chose you. He called you worthy of his only son. So receive yeah. that love. Receive That's that right. belief in yourself, if nothing else, so that you can pour it out into others. Yeah. You know, love others enough to love yourself first. Yeah. You know, they're going to start scrolling across uh, how to sow uh how to sow seed into the gospel and yeah. the news and, and literally helping other people become the leaders that they're called to be. But while they're doing that, they'll just continue. That information's up there if you want to. Is, you know, if you don't create the atmosphere that is conducive to your own growth, you won't create that atmosphere for other people as well. In yeah. other words, if you, if you are so harsh in your own judgment and judging failure so harshly, even contrary to God's word for yourself, 
you're absolutely going to carry that over into the people that God's called you to lead. And you won't be able to lead them well. And it won't open up increase and growth to you. Um, I think one thing that's important to look at is watch how you treat others. Yeah. Like if you don't know where you are, watch how you treat Great others. Point. Great point. Because I didn't realize, in all honesty, I didn't realize how much, at one point, how much I hated myself until yeah. I watched how I was towards others. I was very sharp towards them. I was very harsh towards them. And God one day set me down and said, why are you like that? And when, yeah. you know, when I walked it backwards, it was because I disliked myself. Yeah. And I was putting my own self-hatred on them because I saw me in them. Yeah. You know, so yeah. look at how you treat other people and that'll show you what yeah. you have or haven't received from God for yourself. Yeah, I'll watch uh, people, at times I've watched people be so um, unmerciful towards yeah. others. And they'll be very judgmental of others and they won't share, they won't look at, they won't look at anything from somebody else's point of view. It's always from their point of view. And what that tells me is that they're also not receiving of that mercy um, in that way. And, you know, I've, I've watched that many times over the years. And, and that's why a lot of times when people come to me to complain about others or tell me what other people do wrong, my first response is to look at me. Mm -hmm. How, all right, if I don't like a situation, what am I doing to influence it? Right. Truly, the answer, just like Paul to Timothy, to Pastor Timothy, the answer, Timothy, to you know, leading this congregation is to work on you. Mm -hmm. And that's the answer. That's God's answer to everything. Is you know, like even the prodigal son's older brother, he wanted the father to fix the other son. And the answer was, you need to work on yourself. Yeah. And so many times what I'll do is when somebody brings a problem uh, over, when somebody brings a problem over to me, right, uh, the first thing I'll do is say, okay, okay, you know, we'll deal with that problem and we'll take a look at that, but how can you apply it better? How can you be better? And have you looked at that this could have been the item. Right. This could have been what actually happened, but you couldn't see it because you're not in their position. Yeah. So I always, it's, um, you know, I'll always try to unbiasedly look at all the sides involved because I've found that there's always, you know, two different stories to any, any confrontation. It's not always one-sided. There's, there's always more sides than that. But the other thing is, as I look at all the sides, it allows me to judge it better, and it allows me to grow in that. And so a lot of times we've not been merciful, and what it comes back to is we, we really haven't received mercy yeah. to the fullness as well, which is what you're talking about. Yeah. So. And thank you all so much for your seeds, Priscilla and Julie. I saw uh, Scott had sent something through as well. Thank you so much for sowing, and we're going to pray for that in a second. So Mark asked one last question here. Your... It says, how do you love yourself but in a non-worldly, selfish way? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. You know, two things come to mind right off is, one, you know, the Lord says, come boldly to the throne. Yeah. And two, he disciplines those he loves. So I would not go boldly to the throne, you know, then because I saw all the things wrong with me that made me too dirty to go. 
But then I got a hold of, you know, John 3:16. Most every Christian, even non-Christians can quote it, but do we really have it in our heart? Right. For God so loved the world. He didn't say, for God so loved his people, for God so loved the Christians, for God so loved the angels. He said, for God so loved the world. That means when I was in my field, he still loved me enough to give his everything. Yes. You know, so I had to love myself enough to come boldly to God and say, Lord, I need you. Yeah. I need your help. I need your cleansing. I need your righteousness. I need your love. And when I loved myself, I went to him. Yeah. But when I was looking at him, I wasn't looking at me. Yeah. You know, I loved myself enough to keep my eyes on him and not me. But he disciplines those he loves. So by looking at him, I saw what I wanted to be. Yeah. I saw what I wanted to strive after. If I just looked at myself, I saw all the failures, all the things wrong. But when I looked to him, I disciplined my flesh to reach after yeah. him, you know, and that's love. So many times people think loving is saying they're all right. They're all good. That's okay. You know, I don't tell my kids everything's okay. You know, Luke did something You know, last week. We had a uh, a set of meetings that had us up late and stuff, and he was tired, and he had some he had some schoolwork that he just decided not to do. Because he didn't like, he didn't want to. Because he didn't want to, and he was tired. And <laughs> I don't like that activity, so no. Yeah, I asked. I was like, "Why did you do this?" Because I don't like it. <laughs> well, he was honest. <laughs> I understood. He, he was honest then. <laughs> yeah, he was honest then. I understood part of it was he was tired because he had late nights, and part of it was he just didn't like it. Well, love doesn't say, well, thank you for telling the truth. Just don't do that again. Love disciplines. Yeah. So immediately, yeah. he started last night working on that homework. He wrote his teacher a letter apologizing for not doing what he needs to do. Love told him this is wrong. This is how you need to make it right. Yeah. And we have to do that with ourselves. We have to not say, you're okay. Yeah. You're enough. Because in yourself, you're not enough. But in Christ, you are enough. Yeah. You yeah. know? So loving yourself means going boldly to God and saying, Lord, help me. Yeah. And then telling yourself, Let's strive for that. Yeah. Let's strive to grow and disciplining yourself. So I disciplined myself when yeah. pastor asked me to speak because he wasn't feeling well. My flesh was, no, absolutely not. You get your butt out of that sick bed and you get up and <laughs> preach, you know. But I disciplined the flesh and said, God told me to go boldly. God told me to win souls and make disciples. God told me yeah. to preach. Doesn't matter what I feel like. God's word said, that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. how you love yourself. You love yourself by not making excuses and doing the word of God. Amen. Yeah, Deb says such awesome teaching. Teaching. Thank you and thank you all and God through y'all. Amen. And that's the Lord. I mean, the Lord poured out things today I've never even thought about yeah. or words to. The praise of the Lord. And um, Corey said this as a last as a last point. He said, "Just look at a business person 
generally they have failed many times before they become successful. Yeah. If they never, most of your millionaires that we've heard their names, most of them went bankrupt multiple times before they made it. Yeah. Most of them did. A lot of them did. If they never step, Corey said, if they never step out and failed, they would never make it. Then once you've been successful in something, you're not as fearful of failure because you know you can do it based on the past. And that's it's exactly right. Back to the Edison invention. Yeah, if we will, so don't, don't create your own atmosphere where you're afraid of failure. Celebrate noble failure. Hey, I, I missed it. <laughs> I didn't mean to and I don't want to, but I did that time. You know, uh, celebrate it. I'll cheer for yes. somebody reaching for something. Yeah that they don't get. And uh, so as people are giving today, if you haven't given already and you'd like to and like to, so I, want, I do want you to know this. I've seen several come through already, but I do want you to know this. What you're supporting when you do this, you're supporting this broadcast being sent out across the world and around the world uh, every weekday. You're supporting that. You're getting that word out to teach people the word, to teach people how to be the leaders that God want them to be based on the word. Uh, but also, uh, you're supporting it like the Lord has sent me to the Philippines, uh, to Mexico, to Gabon, Africa, to Nigeria, Africa. And I've taught these things all around the world. You know, in Gabon, I sat for a week and taught leadership principles to all of their leadership in this city. Um, you know, for like six, I think it was five days straight, but then I was teaching it the next week as yeah. well, teaching these principles. And uh, then I went to Nigeria and, and spoke to about 200 pastors teaching these. So what you're giving actually supports giving that word out. Same thing in the Philippines, same thing in Mexico as well. Uh, there's these leadership principles and the word of God. And in that process, last year, uh, we saw over 2,100 people commit fresh to Christ. Over 2,100. And uh, the year before was over 2,000 somewhere. The year before was over 2,500. We had over 2,100 last year with the lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, praise the Lord. Amen. You know, uh, we're all already well over 100 this year, uh, barely a month in. And um, so that's what you're supporting. That's what you're sowing into. I just wanted you to know it and know some of the vision of what God's doing. We praise God for you being on here. Thanks for joining with us. And we just want to pray. Everybody that's sown seed, Lord, yeah. Lord, bless that seed in the name of Jesus. Bless it, multiply it, overflow it in them and through them in the name of Jesus to establish your covenant and to be a blessing to them without sorrow. Let it be in Jesus' name. We thank you and we praise you for it. Amen. Amen. If you haven't seen all of this week, we've been talking about leadership all week long. We've been talking about setting up the right atmospheres. It's been awesome. We'll put some links in here for you. We love you so very much. Go and check those out. And uh, here's Buddy.